How's it going, guys? And welcome to the very first episode of She Talks Sports. My name's Emma, and I'm going to be your host. And I'm so excited for you guys to finally be able to see and hear this. This podcast is an idea that I've been thinking of and working on for a really long time. So for it to finally be coming together is really exciting. And I hope you guys are a little bit excited, too. So uh, before I jump into today's topic, I'm going to run through, you know, a little bit about myself and uh, what you can expect from the show. You know, as I'm still a college student, you know, time is is pretty limited for the most part. But um, these are going to be bi-weekly episodes. So starting from this Sunday, when it is this first episode is released, it'll be every other Sunday. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, um, you'll be getting an episode. Um, and for the most part, these solo episodes where it's just myself talking to you, uh, those are going to be around half an hour, just because that's even that's a really long time for you guys to be listening to me. So that's going to be around the half an hour mark. But I am very excited because we are going to be having some special guests on the show, which is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of laughs for sure. And those episodes are going to be a bit longer, probably around the hour, hour and a half mark. So yeah, those are going to be those are going to be fun for sure. And I think you guys are going to like those a lot. We have a lot of interesting characters that want to hop on. So I'm excited. Um, in terms of content, it's going to be pretty varied. My interest in sport is, is pretty different. It's kind of all over the place. So, you know, at the end of the day, I just hope you guys learn something or kind of find out about an industry or a team or something that you just don't know a whole lot about and just get excited about a different area. So I guess that's kind of the goal. Hopefully you guys learned something today. Um, and you know, I think just my passion for sport, it's kind of, it's kind of developed just from playing sport. And, you know, I didn't come from a, a big sport household. We weren't one of those families that sat down every Sunday and, and watched football. Um, I just came from playing sports and having an older brother. And, you know, whenever he started a new sport, I wanted to go. I wanted to play. I wanted to watch. I just wanted to be involved. And I think at a young age, I fell in love with, with sport and competition. And I had no idea that, that I was in love with it. Um, so, yeah, I think he was uh, I think he was really young, like elementary school when he started playing soccer. And the second he did that, you know, I wanted to do it as well. And I played soccer for years. And as I got older, I started getting more into watching as well. So, you know, my mom is from the Northeast of England, which she actually is there right now while this is being recorded. So hi, mom, if you're watching this and say hi to everyone over there for me. But all of our family's still there. And, you know, they're like I said, they're the Northeast of England. So they're all Sunderland supporters. And um that kind of brought an influence to myself and they were always telling me to watch them. But we, uh, we have a family friend who uh, is a Liverpool supporter. Um, and as I was growing up, he was telling me, oh, you need to watch Liverpool. You know, it was during the era of Steven Gerrard. And, you know, I just fell in love with the club, with the culture and the history. And as you can probably tell, um, Liverpool ended up becoming my club. And for those of you who are listening and not watching, I was pointing to the Liverpool scarf that is behind me on my wall. But yeah, so that international soccer completely took over my life. I was waking up on the weekends to watch soccer and it was really cool because my mom and my dad would be up and they'd watch it with me and they would ask all these questions. And, you know, that's when I started to realize this is an area that I know a lot more about than I imagined, you know, just there's so much information that you pick up just from watching. And, um, that's where I kind of started realizing this is something I was passionate about. This is something that I love. And, um, you know, as like I said, as I got older, that just became really, really a huge part of my life. And I was picking up other sports, too. My brother picked up snowboarding, so I did the same, of course. Um, and I had a lot of friends who were, were skiing, snowboarding, and really involved in kind of more of the action sports culture. So in middle school, I fell in love with that. Uh, I was watching a lot of surfing online, so it's pretty active in that community as well. And yeah, it was really cool for me to kind of develop my own passion. And it was cool to see my parents kind of, it was kind of 
playing over and spilling over to them. You know, this, this past summer was the Women's World Cup and I was actually away from home, but my mom was texting me saying that they were having a World Cup final watch party and that was just really cool. It was a cool moment for me and just to see that, you know, all the years that I spent watching soccer, you know, they started to love it as much as I did and my mom was saying how she wants to go to a Revs game by herself even and it's just unfortunately the Revs sucked this year but it's just it's really cool to see that and um, that's kind of led me to where I am right now you know I'm a, a junior sport management communications double major at UMass Amherst and I think I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do coming into school and you know that completely changed I think every day it changes now I fall in love with a new area in the industry and you know I think I could very likely end up with a job that doesn't currently exist and you know it's just the industry is so progressive it's moving so fast and that's really exciting but very hard to plan for in terms of a job but yeah so that's where I am now and um, I think my my interests keep changing. Like I said, international sports has been something that's always been so huge to me and particularly the Olympics. This always brought out a sense of nationalistic pride. Like I said, my mom's from England and my brother and I are from Korea. So it just brings out some sort of pride in your nation and all these athletes, seeing them compete for their country and the biggest international stage, something about that I just absolutely fell in love with. And it just reminds me when I think of the Olympics, I just have such fond memories of, you know, it just reminds me of my mom all the time and I think it was my freshman year of college, so that was two years ago, um, was the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. And my mom was texting me from home while I was at school saying like, oh, did you see this? Did you watch this figure skating, blah, 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 and all this back and forth stuff. So, you know, it's just really cool to see that she's really excited about something. And I think that that is why I have such fond memories um, of the Olympics in particular. So that brings us to our first topic uh, for this episode. I'm very, very excited. Like I said, the Olympics are next year. It's the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Um, this has been something that I have been researching heavily just because of natural just interest and whatnot. But I'm super excited because there are three new sports being in, uh, introduced. So, you know, I think Tokyo is an amazing place to do this. There's so much history in, in the city and just so much. They're so progressive. And I think this is a great place. I think they're going to be a great host for this for sure. Um, baseball and softball are back, which is, I mean, the Japanese love baseball. So that's perfect. Karate's back. And um, the three new sports I actually want to talk about are surfing, skateboarding, and sport climbing. These sports are uh, kind of, a, I don't want to say more like millennial sports, but they're definitely like a younger generation because they're just more action sports. You know, I think a lot of people viewed them as hobbies for a while, but you know, these athletes have been grinding and working so hard in their smaller communities and kind of gone uh, just untalked about for a while. So I think this is gonna be a great stage for them and to bring some awareness and exposure to these amazing sports and these athletes. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I guess I'm going to break down basically how each sport's going to be run and then just some athletes, I guess you should, athletes and names that you should know um, in these sports and be excited for, for sure. So uh, the first one, like I said, I got really excited about surfing um, when I saw that it was announced just because, like I said earlier, it was a sport that I started watching when I was in middle school. So a lot of these athletes names uh, that are qualifying now are people that I've been watching since middle school. So they've really had really long careers in the sport and, it's just really exciting to see them and how, like just hear about how proud they are and how excited they are to be able to compete for the first time and have such a global stage and bring so much light to their sports. So, um, like I said, sport, first sport surfing. Um, this is a really difficult sport to host, um, especially just in general, but for the Olympics, uh, especially, um, mainly because it's not a controlled sport. So whereas in like gymnastics or even soccer, um, there's like a 
a pitch or a field or um, a floor or whatnot. And surfing is just has so many variables because it's obviously dependent on whether or not there's surf and waves. And that kind of leads to long waiting periods. So uh, the Olympics have a lot of call time just to make up for that because obviously events can't be run if there's going to be no waves out there. So it's, it's definitely going to be really interesting to see how um, Tokyo kind of handles that, you know, the beach that they're hosting it on, I think is about 40 miles actually from the city. So, you know, that's another factor and it's going to be hard, I think for the Olympic committee to, to kind of be selecting cities now in the, in the future, just because of that. And I think it's going to, I mean, right now there's technology that people are making for wave pools, which are basically like, um, generated waves. So it's this perfect wave every single time. And it's going to be more about just technical skills versus whether or not you can pick and ride the best waves. So that could be the future of the sport. But for now it's, there's just going to be a lot of call time for sure. Um, and then athletes are, surfing in heats. So those are, I think they said about 20 minutes each. So there'll be a few athletes out in the water. They're judged on each wave that they ride. So that's going to be judged on variety, difficulty level, speed, flow, power, all the things that make a great ride. So every single ride is judged at a 10 and then both of their, or their two best rides, those scores are combined and that'll be their final score for the heat. And then uh, depending on what round it is, either one or two athletes will move on to the next heat. So Yeah, that's how that's going to be run. Like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see um, kind of the the reception that it gets just because I think that this is a sport that's definitely not as popular. So I think I think people are going to be really excited about this. And there's a lot of bright personalities for sure coming out of the sport. And, you know, just this actually the past few days, we've had athletes qualifying um, for the Olympics. So our first our first group have. have qualified, which is very exciting. So some names for sure. I would say one I was really excited to see qualify was someone I was hoping for the entire summer. His name's Kanoa Igarashi. He is a young Japanese surfer. So he's going to be competing. He just qualified for his home nation, which is the host nation. And it's the year that the sport is first introduced. So he's, he's super excited and has every right to be, you know, he's, like I said, he's young and, um, he's got, he's, he should be so proud. This is an amazing moment for him and what a great way to represent his, his city and his country. So that's one that I was excited to see for sure. And, um, for the U S, uh, Chloe Andino, he just qualified, um, Jeremy Flores for France and Jordy Smith for South Africa. So on the men's side, those are the some big names, I think some heavy hitters too that are going to qualify soon. Gabriel Medina is currently leading the the World Surf League leaderboard right now, so he'll be another one to watch. And then on the women's side, uh, Kristen Moore, she's leading the women right now. She's uh, from Honolulu, Hawaii, so she'd be representing the U.S. And then I think the women, the Australian women are really strong as well. So, you know, the likes of like Sally Fitzgibbons, I think she'll qualify and she's just got another bright personality. So I think there are a lot of great people that are, that are for sure qualifying right now, but those are some names I'm excited to see. And hopefully you guys remember, um, some of those names when, when you see them compete next year. So yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a great moment for the sport and for all these athletes and particularly the younger generations just to get some more exposure and hopefully gain some participation in these sports. So yeah, that is surfing. And then the next one is skateboarding. So this one is also this one, this one I'm excited for, for sure as well. Um, my brother started skateboarding, 
uh, and was really, really into it for a while. You know, he started skateboarding when he was pretty young and uh, he had like the skater flow and everything. If <laughs> Sorry, Tom, to embarrass you, but if I can find a photo and you're watching the video, it'll probably come up on the screen now. But yeah, so he was really into skateboarding and um, this is kind of a random story, but you know, I my birthday is in September, which is when Apple always releases new products. So for my birthday, I got... Um, I got the iPod Nano, which was the first iPod that like had a video camera in it. And uh, I was super, super excited. It was bright blue. And I just remember one of the first videos I took on it. He made me go outside. He's not going to remember this. No one's going to remember this, but I do. He made me go outside. And I was sitting at the end of our driveway and I was recording him doing like a skateboard trick. It was like an ollie, something, something like silly like that. And I just remember that was one of the first videos I took on that. So it was just, that was when he was in like the, the peak of his, his skate career that he, uh, and he loved it. You know, I was always going to skate park, watching him skate. And, um, yeah, so I knew a lot of the athletes, um, because of that and because of him. So, you know, to see some of these big names finally be able to, to represent their country and, and the Olympics is really exciting. Um, the sport is split into two different disciplines. So there's park and there's street. So park is kind of more ramps, bowls, pipes, and those are all judged for speed, heights, grabs, whatnot. And then street, um, that's kind of more urban. You know, it's it's rails, boxes, benches, basically things you'd find in the street. Um, and that's more scored for difficulty of tricks. Um, and like I said, you know, some of these big names when my brother was young, uh, skateboarding, like Nigel Houston was huge and, you know, he's going to be competing in, in the Olympics for the U S so, you know, that to see him have such a long career and just finally be able to see a sport be introduced is really, really exciting. So him and Lacey Baker are two to watch for the U S in street. And then in terms of park, uh, some young guns, I would say Tom Shaw and Brighton Zoyner, they're really young and they're going to be competing for the U S in park. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but the one story that I think coming out of skateboarding is really exciting. You know, these sports in general, um, surfing, skateboarding, and sport climbing, they all have really, really young athletes. Uh, so one that I'm excited to see, her name is Sky Brown. She's currently 10 years old. Um, and although she was born to a Japanese mother and an English father, she decided that she wants to compete for a uh, team GBR. So that's pretty cool. And like I said, she's 10 years old. And if she qualifies, which is likely because she just won the 2019 simple sessions in Estonia, which is the biggest skate competition in Europe, she, um, will be barely 12 years old. I think she's be like 12 years old, in like 15 days, something crazy like that when the Olympics start. And, um, she would be the second youngest, uh, British Olympian to compete in the Olympics. I think there was a, a young girl, I think her name was like Cecilia. She was 11 and 11 and some change when she, uh, competed in figure skating in the Lake Placid Olympics, which is I think 1932. So yeah, Sky is just a really bright young personality way, what much wiser beyond her years. She, um, her family says she, she loves skateboarding. She loves competing, but not because she likes being better than people. She likes it because she's in love with the sport. And I just think that's a great perspective for an athlete to have. You know, she's just skating because she loves it. And she's trying to inspire young girls to, to you know, pick up skateboarding and even surfing because she does that as well. But she's just a really bright character. And I mean, how can you not cheer for an, a tw well, a, she will be 12, a 12 year old in the Olympics. You know, it's just, it just gives, it's just a nice, like heartwarming story and the media are going to love her. Like she said, like I said, she's such an eccentric person. So that's someone I'm excited to see and the media are going to love her for sure. So if you don't know her name already, Sky Brown, uh, she will be competing for team GBR for skateboarding. So yeah. Um, and then the final sport is sport climbing. So this, 
was one I didn't really know a whole lot about. This was a community that I didn't really know existed. So <laughs> this one I had to do a lot of research for. Um, but it actually is really, really interesting. And I, I did kind of start to, to be more passionate or I just fall a little bit more in love with the sports. And uh, this one is split into three disciplines. So there is bouldering, lead climbing, and speed climbing. And they're all pretty different. Um, bouldering is more, it's much more technical in a very technical sport to begin with. Um, and this, you are free climbing in shorter sections. And so you're free climbing, which means you don't have ropes on you. And the challenge is basically to achieve the, the set um, and the shortest number of temps in a timed period, if that makes sense. I would definitely recommend, it's hard for me to explain bouldering. So I would definitely recommend like, if you're interested to check out a video of it online, it just, just makes more sense than how I'm explaining it. But um, this one, I'm excited to see Kyra Condi for the US. She's still a college student, which makes me question a lot of what I'm doing with my life now as she'll be competing for, for the US. But yeah, she's great. She fell in love with the sport when she was, I think 11 years old, had a birthday at a, at a climbing gym. And um, unfortunately, a year after that, she had to have uh, like 11 spinal effusions to correct her spine. Um, but it wasn't until after that uh, surgery and recovery, she started to do her best climbing. So yeah, she's a great story. And uh, she's pretty I think she's, she's going to be a cool one to watch. And I think she's a good chance of qualifying for, for bouldering for the U S. So that would be one to, to look out for on the U S side. And then there is another one. Um, it's called lead climbing. So lead is a little bit different than bouldering in the sense that you are attached into ropes. Um, there's a designated route or route on a, a climbing wall. I don't know how people say that route route. I just feel like it changes depending on what the context is. But, um, anyway, designated route slash route on a climbing wall. You're attached to ropes and basically you're scored by climbing to the top in the fastest amount of time or reaching a higher point than an opponent before falling. So whereas bouldering, you're trying to achieve the set. This one, you're trying to either climb to the top fastest or just reach the highest point. Um, this one, like I said, is a little bit different, but someone I'm really excited to see, her name is Ashima Shireishi. She is only 18 years old. Um, she was born to Japanese immigrant parents, but she will be climbing for the U.S. team, which she's been doing for the past few years. You know, like I said, only 18 years old, started to climb in Central Park, which is really kind of funny. Um, but yeah, she was the youngest to climb a 5.14D uh, route, a first female to climb a V158C boulder. So she has been, she has such a big uh, resume for such a young athlete. And, you know, she's, she's pretty quiet and always seems really, really focused and in the zone, which is crazy because she's been climbing since she was really young and she always just had that focus of someone much beyond her years. So yeah, that's definitely someone that's exciting to see, especially because, you know, she is Japanese, but she'll be competing for the U.S. So it'll be fun to see some of these athletes be in their, in their home nations. And then the last discipline is speed. And this is one that I'm personally most excited for. Um, this is, I think this is the one that's going to be enjoyed the most by viewers just because it's formats a little bit different than the other two. Um, this is a 15 meter wall and it's, the same course across the globe, basically. So all the, all the holds are exactly the same on every single wall. So all these athletes that compete in speed climbing know the route, whereas in bouldering and, and lead climbing, they don't, they don't know the, the route beforehand. So they kind of have to work through that as they're climbing. But for speed, they know, they know the route every single time, no matter where they are in the world doing speed climbing. Um, and this is held in a head to head knockout format, which I think people are going to like a lot just because we like to see that one on one competition. Um, it's also a really, really fast sport. Um, 
some these guys are going off the wall in five, six seconds, which is crazy. It literally looks like they're flying, not even touching the wall. Um, but basically, so the timer will go, there'll be two walls and then the athletes will race to the top and there's like a button that they hit. And then the first one to hit it, um, is the one that wins. And this, like I said, this is just so much faster. And I think that people are really going to like that competition of being head to head. And, you know, someone I'm excited for sure. His name is Daniel Bolderov. He is a Ukrainian climber. He was a world champion, earned multiple, uh, world championships, European championships, um, along with a 2017 world Games silver medal. And the thing, the reason why I'm excited, he is the former world speed climbing record holder, which was 5.6 seconds up a 15 meter wall. So this it's honestly, it's so worth it to watch this video of this guy break, like breaking this record. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I'm telling you the sport, like it doesn't make sense. I, uh, there was some news outlet that did a video on speed climbing and they had like regular people try and climb this wall. And it took them like a few minutes the first time, because obviously they don't know the holds, but these, these guys, they are amazing. They fly up there. And I think they said in the video that like, basically they've, they figured out scientifically that the people with the fastest times, their route, they're, they have the, straightest center of gravity throughout the entire climb. So basically like their center of gravity stays as most vertical as possible. And those tend to be the fastest time. So just an interesting kind of side note, but yeah, I think that's definitely one that I think that's going to be the most exciting coming out of a sport climbing, just because like I said, that format of head to head and it's just so fast and easy to watch. But yeah, that is the one that I'm most excited for out of those three. Um, and I just think, like I said, like these, these three new sports really just show a shift in culture and shift in the times. And I just think the Olympics are a perfect opportunity for these to be introduced. Um, these athletes have been just kept under reps, wraps, not reps under wraps in, uh, in their communities and, you know, to be able to compete for their countries and at, at this global level is just really, really exciting. And I think it'll just push engagement, um, and excitement participation in sports. So I just think it's exciting to see, you know, for the world to be able to see what's going on. So yeah, those are the three new sports. Um, and then these past few weeks, we've had some other some other big uh, stories coming out of the Olympics. So, um, on I mean, one of the most popular sports, if not the most popular summer Olympic sports, going to be gymnastics, especially now more than ever. Um, it was this past week. This past week was Worlds, um, and the the U.S. women's team they won gold, of course, <laughs> Worlds, and Russia and Italy got. Uh, silver and gold, but I mean the main the main story coming out of Worlds is, is Simone Biles. It's always going to be you know she won her fifth world title and she's the best gymnast of all time. And um, she said it best this past week after winning her her fifth title. She said, "I've won five world titles, and if I say I'm the best gymnast on, uh, let me try that again. I've won the I've won five world titles, and if I say I'm the best gymnast there is, the reaction is, oh, she's cocky. Look at her now." No, the facts are literally on the paper. And honestly, she's right. She's the best of all time. There's, she has the medals to prove it. You know, I just think if, I think there's a lot of backlash for sure, especially for, for women in sports to be able to come out. You know, there was a lot of backlash to the women's national team and to Megan Rapino and um, Alex Morgan for their celebrations and just how, kind of how they act, but they're the best team in the world as well. But, you know, I just think about Simone. She's the most decorated female gymnast. And, you know, I, I think of like athletes like, the one that comes to mind is Ibra or Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's a Swedish soccer player and he is, he's just known for his ego for being cocky. You know, he says numerous times, you know, I'm the best there is. I'm the best in the MLS. He compares himself to God all the time. Like I just, I just think that there's just a lot of disparity between, you know, what male and female athletes can say for sure. But 
yeah, I mean, Simone Biles, she's having tricks named after her and no one's coming close to her and her difficulty level. She, you know, the height, the power, the speed that she can reach is just mind blowing. It doesn't even seem humanly possible. Like it's just, you get chills watching Simone and you know, that's, that's going to be the main story coming out of the Olympics. The one to watch for sure. I think that's, that's where the views are going to be for, uh, so for these networks. So, but I mean, in terms of, you know, Simone can't do this forever, obviously. Um, so there are some exciting, there's an exciting youth kind of coming, coming behind her and uh, taking up the rear. So one in particular that uh, impressed me at World, her name is Suni Lee. She's 16 years old. Um, and although she came eighth overall at World, she got bronze on uneven bars and silver on the floor, only second to Simone, of course. Um, but yeah, she's like I said, she's 16 and her age and inexperience level uh, at the senior level just makes her an underdog. But, you know, she's definitely showing that she can compete with some of these more senior levels, uh, especially just, you know, coming second to, to Simone. And I think just for the future of the Olympics, she's going to be one to watch. And for the future of U.S. gymnastics, I think she, she could really she could develop into a really big powerhouse um, for the team. So definitely going to be uh, a fun one to watch and a fun one to follow for the next few years coming. Um but yeah, so that was coming out of Worlds. And then a few weeks ago was uh, the track and field Worlds, which, again, another exciting one, another popular sport for sure. But, you know, my favorite storyline coming out of there, it has, it's, it's got to be Allison Felix. She is an absolute beast. She, she just broke Usain Bolt's record for most gold medals at the track and field world championships. You know, six out of nine of her Olympic medals are gold. And not to mention, she just won her 12th world title after giving birth 10 months ago, which is, it's absolutely insane. You know, it's just, she's just breaking all boundaries and we love strong moms and she's just, she's an absolute beast. And, you know, to not be excited about Alice and Felix would just be, it would be nearly impossible. And that's going to be the fun storyline uh, coming out of track and field on the women's side for sure. But yeah, I just think in general, you know, Tokyo, like I said, is is a great place for for these Olympics. I'm really, really excited to see them hosting these new sports and how it's going to play out. I'm excited to see how these these new sports and athletes are received. When I think about the Olympics, you know, some of these, uh, these athletes come out and they just, their personalities are so bright. The one that, you know, that comes to mind, Adam Rapon coming out of figure skating, you know, now he's just, he's just kind of like a, a huge figure and uh, ironically figure skater, but <laughs> um, I just think that this is going to be a great opportunity to meet some new athletes. And like I said, there are just so many great personalities and uh, I'm just excited. I'm really, really excited for these Olympics. It's going to be an amazing show. I'm so excited for opening ceremonies. It's just, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So that'll be taking place next summer um, in July, July to August. But yeah, super excited. I hope you guys have learned a thing or two, whether it be about, you know, learning a new sport or some new names and, you know, hopefully you'll go into the Olympics and, and be watching some of these events and be able to say like, oh, I remember like this, or I remember this name or even coming out of this, I hope that maybe you'll do some research, watch some of these videos, particularly uh, speed climbing. I think that's a fun one for sure. Um, but yeah, so this, I guess, is a good wrapping point. Uh, we're almost at the 30 minute mark. If you are still listening to me, that is amazing. And I thank you for that. But uh, yeah, this has been the very first episode of She Talk Sports. Super exciting. This is a huge historic moment in my life. So thank you all for being a part of it. Um, the episodes are going to be out if you haven't figured out already. The audio files are Spotify, Apple Music. And then if you're currently watching me, you figured out that it's on YouTube. If you want to not only hear me, but to see me as well, which I don't know why anyone would choose that. But um, yeah, so like I said, Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube every other Sunday starting from today. And yeah, next week's episode I'm very excited about. i um, going to be talking about some some 
uh, a little bias, a little bias, but uh, we're gonna be talking about the Premier League, some of these big, some of these big teams, and you know, obviously Liverpool absolutely crushing it right now, but. It's going to be a little bit of a bias episode, but if you want to hear my take on uh, some of the, the powerhouses in the Premier League and, you know, my predictions for, for the end of the season, you know, be sure to check that out and get excited for that. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for, for watching and listening. I really appreciate it. And I guess I will see you guys and hear you guys in, in, in two weeks. Definitely send me some recommendations of things you want me to, to talk about for sure. And let me know if you do some research and, or what your thoughts are on the Olympics or if you think I left out some big names. But yeah, thank you guys for watching and I will see you guys soon. Bye.